Good evening and welcome back to the Diz Dads Podcast Plus. I'm your host, Aaron Ripmaster, and with me tonight are my intrepid co-hosts, Willie Crocker. Hey guys, welcome back. And Tim Hicks. Hey, howdy, hey. So uh, recently we've uh, done some speculating. We've done shows where we have taken a, a guess at what might come in the future. This week... We're going to refocus a little bit and do our fall 2020 news and notes show. Um, just over the last week or so, we've gotten quite a bit of news. Uh, look a little bit broader than that, but uh, so much new came down just within the last couple of weeks. We wanted to, to go around the resort and kind of fill you in on what those latest updates are. Uh, but before we get into those updates, we do need to take a minute and thank our generous podcast sponsors. Wicked Mouse Travel, and Mouse Master Travel. They're both authorized Disney vacation planners, and there are uh, agents ready and waiting to help you and your family make the absolute most out of your Disney destination vacation. Things are changing fast these days, and uh, keeping up with all of it is not an easy task. Working with a professional agent is the best way to make sure that you're not making mistakes just because, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So uh, if you need some help or want to be able to relax and enjoy your vacation instead of stressing about it, uh, check them out at wickedmousetravel.com or at mousemastertravel.com. Okay. Um, so the, the big news kind of was kicked off at the beginning of this week. Um, this is, for, for folks who don't follow along with this stuff, um, this was always, we knew this was going to be a big week of, of theme park news in one way or another because um, this is the was the week of the annual um, IAPA convention, which is the, uh, I never can do this right, it's the International Association of Park, and th- uh, whatever <laughs> it's the theme park industry event parts, yeah it, it's the theme park industry event and um it it, it it's always a, a spot where you know people are the, the various theme park uh, operators are, are looking to make their splash right they're looking to release something to get attention and uh boy disney came right out of the blocks doing everything they could to suck the wind out of the room uh, by releasing quite a bit of information and uh, photos and things about Galactic Star Cruiser. So, um, I don't know, uh, Willie, why don't you get us rolling with kind of what started popping up all over the the fan sphere uh, beginning of this week? Well, let's start with the rooms. They Those rooms look so- Stunning. You have the bay window that just looks out to 
Galaxy's Edge, basically, but not Galaxy's Edge. Uh, you have the room with the bed and then the double bunk bed. The bunk beds look so cool. I'm a little claustrophobic on um, the beds, to my opinion, but <laughs> I think kids are going to really like them. Uh, the hotel just looks stunning. I don't know if you want to call it a hotel, but I just I was very, very impressed with the design, the setup, the whole out, you know, how you outfit the whole room. They they've really gone up and beyond for, you know, the room. And I can't wait to see what they're really like. Yeah, I mean, there's no question that that when they started, you know, releasing these photos, they started making the rounds. The thing that struck me is that immediately they didn't look like hotel rooms. They looked like movie sets, right? This did not look like what you expect to see when you see a, a hotel room. Um, the, the the bunk beds in the wall, I think, are, are the real impact statement, right? I mean, because I think the, the rooms overall are gorgeous, but that was just brilliant because it's not something that is is really – necessarily intuitive to do it that way right i mean because it does and people were complaining that the rooms looked a little cramped and i think one of the reasons is that you know what you have essentially are enclosed bunk beds and so it makes the room look a little smaller but the trade-off is that it's just so cool it's amazing like literally those bunk beds for any kid eight to twelve they're gonna love it they're it's like their little like spaceship hangout like it's it's really really well designed i think it's their own private little cubby where they can just get in there and you know you know snuggle up and play a video game or what have you you know whatever they're they are interested in doing but building it into the wall was genius i mean it's not a freestanding bunk bed it's in the wall and that is just it's the coolest look well and, and what i love about it is that it's functional too right because you don't have issues with bed rails because there's already a, a, a kind of a lip on that side um, because of the way it's built into the wall. Like it looks natural. So a kid doesn't feel like they're being babied with a, with a bed rail. It's just part of the bed. You know, it's just, right. it looks right. And at the same time, the younger end of that crowd doesn't, you know, uh, pose any risk of falling out either. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I, I also think that, it's just it's interesting to me the um if you haven't seen these rooms it's worth it to you know we'll try and post a couple of pictures with the show notes but um if, if you just google for them you'll find them um it, it struck me as you know i don't i was trying to remember i can't think of any of the star wars films where we actually saw crew crew quarters um you know no, for any length of time uh but the thing that that struck me immediately, I don't know if either of you guys watched it, the 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 reboot of Battlestar Galactica, the the bunks in the wall reminded me a lot of, you know, the the sort of enlisted persons, you know, the racks uh in in Battlestar Galactica. Oh, interesting. I didn't see that. Uh, yeah, I miss that. But uh anyway. All right, my my geek flag is flying a little higher. That's okay. I mean, <laughs> it's all right. 
it's freaking cool. Yeah. And anybody the, the that, whole thing it, is that, that place is so cool. Right. Well, if you're not familiar with the whole concept of the Galactic Star Cruiser, we'll catch you up to speed. It's kind of like going on a Disney cruise for three days. Uh, it's three days, two nights, and you are completely immersed in this experience. And to call it a hotel would not do it justice. It's you—you you have a stateroom, a cabin, if you will, and that cabin's got, as we mentioned, the the the, the queen bed and the bunk beds. But there's also a, a seating area where a table pulls out. Okay, and. Yes, there's the big window that's looking into outer space, but on the TV, it's showing you where your pathway is in orbit as you're working towards the Star Cruiser. And it's just, it is so completely immersive. It's amazing. Right. And and really, that is the key concept, right? This is, you need to think of it as an excursion. You're You're not really going to experience Magic Kingdom when you're staying at the Galactic Star Cruiser. You know, you're, you're going to spend time in the park, but the park you're going to spend time in is Hollywood Studios going to a thousand feet away. Right, right. And, and with exclusive access, right? You're going to have your own direct access to Galaxy's Edge um, because it's going to immerse you this whole time in, in that Star Wars environment. It's not going to come cheap. Um, the... You know, numbers I've seen um, thrown out, and I, I believe these numbers uh, came from some sort of, uh, they're not purely speculative, right? They, they came from some uh, numbers that- Source. Well, it was it was uh, numbers that Disney was throwing around to stockholders, so it's got to have some valid basis. Um, so they're looking at a a cabin for um, a a two night three day adventure um for one person it would be really pricey but that's you know because you're paying for an all-inclusive package basically for one person the number that was being thrown around was uh three thousand three hundred dollars right that's what i heard too yeah which is you know more than a thousand dollars a person a day now if you make better use of the space (laughs) it's not so much an issue Mm -hmm. um it's still not cheap but you can max out at five uh and with five people that same uh, you know two night three day experience would be uh seventy two hundred seventy two hundred dollars um so about you know just under five hundred dollars per person per day still pricey but really pretty much in line with what you're paying for on a premium cruise Right, we're we're talking cruise prices. We're not talking value, moderate, deluxe. These are these are, I don't want to say value resorts, but these are value resort room styles with deluxe pricing. Well, and I don't want to rain is, on the parade. No, it's but, okay. I, I get what you're saying, but the thing is, everything is included. So all your meals. Correct. You know all that stuff. It's included because what you're going to do? You you can't leave and go. You don't to leave, any, right? Any restaurant or any any quick service place. Everything is included in that price. And and I think that it's important to remember that it's a it is an ongoing experience. You're not just going to go hang out. Um, you know there is a fairly complex story, and and there's you know Disney has, has really pulled out the stops. I mean they've got patents out on the way that their nonlinear storytelling process will unfold and, you know, basically their ability to have, you know, your family experience 
the the same roughly the same story right the same storyline but at whatever pace matches your family's pace not necessarily the exact same pace that the family next door is um right, right? everybody's no two, no two stories will be the same yeah they, none of them will be identical uh each one will be unique each one will be immersive um and and the other thing to remember is that there's a basic supply and demand issue here um you know, the, this is not a large resort at all. Um, you know, Galactic Star Cruiser is um, – this is the one part I wasn't clear on. Is it 256? On. Well, so how, how tall is it supposed to be? How many stories? Anybody remember? I thought it was two to three. I was thinking Max. three. I was thinking it was three. Because yeah. what I was seeing – what I'm seeing here is that each floor has uh, 32 regular cabins – and then two of these first class captain's quarters cabins, which are larger. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what, 32 times three? That's 96. Yeah. yeah. So we're talking, you know, 104 rooms, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe 400 people a day are going to experience this. So, but I thought it was, I thought it was a wing. So it went both ways. And that's I could be wrong. No, that's okay. not so what I'm one seeing. One building, yeah, one big building. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Aaron, We're tell talk- us what tell us what you know about the autonomous droids because I saw that and I was like, that sounds pretty cool. What do you know about it? So I don't know a lot of detail about it yet, but but again, this is another one of those things that that showed up in the Disney patent filings, um, and it's something that Disney has worked on for a long time. And it, you may remember. Back in the day, there was very briefly, like it showed up once or twice, um, there was a walk-around uh, Wally robot, and there was a walk-around Lucky the Dinosaur at one point for a few days. Um, and they ended up pulling them because there were issues, you know, they were, the, the lawyers didn't like it, right? <laughs> there was too much chance that somebody was going to get run over because they, um, they weren't really autonomous robots. They were robots, but they, a, a cast member had to control them. Um, and so there was always this kind of hidden cast member, you know, sneaking around controlling it. Um, for Galactic Star Cruiser, there, the woodworks, as it were. there there are um, patents that Disney has filed, several of them, that have to do with um, robots that use sensors to maneuver through a crowded room, basically. Um, and most of the speculation that I've seen suggests that the the place where you're probably going to see them the most would be in the lobby of Galactic Star Cruiser. Because one really sort of, on the one hand, simple, but on the other hand, cool and impactful ways that they could deploy these would be that when you check in at Galactic Star Cruiser, right, you don't go, you know, go to a check-in desk. That's, that's what you do at a hotel. But if you walk into the Galactic Star Cruiser, let's let's you know dream a little bit here. You know there are only so many people coming in a day to Galactic Star Cruiser, so your droid knows when you've arrived, responds to the fact, probably you know scanning a magic band or, or a, a phone when you come in. Right? That's what I was going to say. Is it's going to know you there because it's scanned. Yeah, exactly. you're there. You've been yeah. scanned in, so they know you've arrived. Your droid is going to, you know, dash across the lobby to you and with these new, you know, under these new patents, dodge around other guests that might be 
you know, in its way, because it's not just there walking around to be posed with, it it has a job. Um, and it's going to come to you and, and, you know, probably hand you a tablet to sign in on, uh, something along those lines, um, and maybe even give you your first sort of mission, your first clue for, you know, starting your, your adventure um, is, is a big part of it. And it, it, even more than just that interaction, the interaction will be, will blow people away the minute they walk in the door. I mean, can you, can you imagine the way your kids will react when a droid comes, you know, rolling up to them to start off their check-in? Hello, Crocker family. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean like, yeah. But it's more than just showing you to your stateroom. It's it's really going to interact with you. It's going to do stuff. Right. Exactly. It, uh, that just sounds so so cool. So you, you've got that element of it, and then um, you know on, on top of it, it's it. And we've talked about this before, bits and pieces of, in the parks. It's a kinetic in the space, right? It. it, it it goes a long way to setting that atmosphere that you're actually on a space cruiser, not just checking in at a hotel because you're not going to see this anywhere else. And, and that, that movement and the, the pace that it, it sets and the interactions that it triggers, um, you know, I'm just, I'm really looking forward to it. And, and I know that that's one of the things that's still kind of on the bleeding edge. Like they literally just filed the patents in the last couple of months on those. Um, so it's something that's clearly in development and, you know, hopefully it'll be ready sooner than later. Um, but uh, I, I just, you know, I think that would be so cool. And frankly, for them, it, it would help, right? There are a lot of things that, that having cool droids walking around, uh, would would help to to you know get guests not to pay attention to right well right because there's so there's going to be so many things to look at and uh the droids are just going to be one piece of that but um uh aside from the uh the cabins or staterooms as it were you've got the common areas too where you know you're really able to see uh the the warp speed uh, lift off and approach to the galactic star cruiser that, you know, you, you might be able to see that from your stateroom, but you're not going to be able to see it nearly like you can see it from the common area. If these common areas are half as good as they do for the Disney themed hotels, this place is going to blow people's minds. Like, you know, you walk into Animal Kingdom Lodge or you walk into Wilderness Lodge and you walk around and you're just like, holy cow, this place is amazing. Just think what they're going to do with this. Uh, like you said, you don't even want to call it a hotel. I, I think it is going to be – I think you'll walk away from the experience going, it was worth every penny. I really exactly. Do. Yeah. Well, and, and they're going to go out of their way to make sure it is. I mean, there's, there's no question just based on the fact – I mean – I can't think of any other Disney experience. We don't even have Disney attractions, like, you know, brand new roller coasters and things that have had the number of of patent filings that Galactic Star Cruiser has had because they've had patent filings related to the the storytelling issues related to the the transportation related to the, you know, these droids walking around. I mean, they're really pulling out all the stops. 
And uh, well, think, at the price they have to. Sure. Um, and, and I think it's important to to you know Tim referred to the the areas that we would in most hotels talk about as public areas as common spaces, and I think that that's an important distinction um, because. One of the other pieces to this, and we talked about it somewhat, is, you know, supply and demand is going to rule the day. Um, you know, the only way you're going to see the inside of the Galactic Scar Cruiser is to pay the price. Um, That's right. You know, they it up, baby. Yeah, there's there's nobody who's just going to be able to stop by the hotel. Nope. Otherwise, you're just watching YouTube videos. That's it. I mean, right. you know, and, and if you think about it, it makes sense. I mean, look, if your friend takes a cruise – Right, and you're not on the same boat that they're on. You don't get to go visit their stateroom. <laughs> nope. You get to see pictures, you get to see video, but you don't get to experience the real deal. Right. And that's the distinction: is a common area is a common area for the people that are on board, not for the general public. So, yeah, uh, there are going to be experiences that no, nobody's going to even think to have their camera out in time. At least that's <laughs> this is what I think. You're not going to even be able to whip your camera out in time to capture some of the stuff yeah. that's going to happen. I agree. Um, so hugely exciting. And the part that really caught me, and this came up from the the last um, investor call, I think it was, that it sounded like Disney still thinks they're going to get this thing open before the end of 2021. That's what I gathered too. Like, I think they think, this could open by September, October, and I mean, good for them if they can pull it off because well, that's I, a cash cow. Yeah, that, and because it's a cash cow, I think that's where they're dumping their investment resources. You know, hey, let's get this thing open and working. Well, that's, they didn't stop production on it the right. minute COVID, like, didn't I don't say COVID stopped, but the minute they started really working again. That thing never stopped. That train was running. Right. Well, and and I, I think that it makes a lot of sense, right? Because every other resort that they're dealing with is on sort of slowly ramping up capacity. And, the, you know, they're still playing around with price points and deal this and deal that, trying to figure out what it's going to take to get people to come back and, and pay for those rooms. Whereas Galactic Star Cruiser, I mean, we talked about numbers, but frankly – you know, they could they could throw the doors open with prices that are 50% higher, and they still won't have any problem filling them. Well, not yeah. when you – if you only have that limited amount of rooms. Right. You know, I mean, it's just like any hotel in, like, New York City, you know, Las Vegas that has 70 specialty suites, and people want to stay at them. They're going to pay the price. They don't care what the price is. Even if the, the the bunks in the wall are a little cramped, they want to do this because <laughs> this is going to be the one of the most sought-after experiences out there. Because, like you said, who's come up with anything that's so immersive? Nobody. Absolutely nobody. Yeah, it doesn't exist. And and so, you know, we'll see. And, and the other thing that, that's important to remember, too, and, and maybe the one thing that we ought to use to, to temper the excitement just a little bit is that – even if the hotel is ready to roll in, you know, fall 2021, they still may not open it until more like, you know, early 2022 because they are going to play test the heck out of this thing. There are going to be 
people signing very long, very stringent NDAs <laughs> and getting the opportunity to experience this you know they're gonna they're gonna run. I mean, and and frankly, they do it with cruises too, right? They, you know, Disney Fantasy well, yeah. I think ran maybe half a dozen, um, even pre inaugural cruises um, that were shorter cruises that were with specialty groups of people. They ran them with, you know, just cast members. Right. They ran them with with media. They ran them with the industry folks, um, travel advisors. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them do something similar here just because it, it can't, they can't have a break-in period like they've had for Rise of the Resistance. Riviera. Or Riviera Hotel, right. You know, they, they, they can't have a, a, a break-in, a rough break-in. Yeah, mistake-ridden. Yeah. It's going to have to be flawless. They can't have, you know, a contractor you know. who forgot to screw some beds into the wall. Well, I mean, that's just a prime example. Like, <laughs> you literally cannot have someone fall from the top bunk to the bottom bunk. Right. Like, it's just, it can't happen. Like, no. these rooms have to be before perfect, over perfect. Not, yeah. You know, it's agreed. It's, Exceeding all expectation. Right. So, and, and look, I, I don't, I wouldn't be at all surprised if the information, we actually start getting less information once they start playtesting. Because they're going to clamp it down as hard as they can, and and you know we'll all be hungry for the leaks. But you know, to me, the sort of biggest signal that the thing is getting close to opening is going to be that we start hearing less and less, not more and more, because uh, right. it means that they're getting closer and closer to the final version, and they are getting more careful about communicating and enforcing that non-disclosure agreement. Well, yeah, I was going to say and, the and, NDAs are going to be so huge. Oh gosh, yeah. But communicating anything, anything at all that might go wrong, you know, people are going to be looking for that sort of thing and, you know, trying to you know, experience that so they can, you know, come back to Disney and say, oh, my experience was bad because of that. So you owe me all this money back. No, no, no. Everything is going to be absolutely perfect when it, when they roll it out. That's just going to be how it is. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's move from the speculative down the road to uh you know recent news and that is that the crunch of value resort room availability has finally started to loosen a little bit at Walt Disney World. Um Yay. for a while here we've had only Pop Century open and finally uh right here recently in November we got Art of Animation opened as well. Um All Stars still closed for now. Uh Willie, you saw something about a, a date yeah, for opening February. coming? February 2021, um, All-Star Movies will be opening. So that's going to open up about 2,600 rooms, which is just another, you know, nice positive 2021 moving into the next year. And we're going to be able to have affordable rooms, and they're all refurbished. And they're going to say, tell us about the refurbs, because you know they're refurbing that one are so nice. They're going to be like the pop century rooms. They're going to have the queen bed and the pull down queen bed. They're going to have the whole new, um, I like the flooring. It's the, you know, the plastic, I don't want to call it plastic, but it's basically plastic. The, the hard surface, hard surface that non carpet and makes the rooms really nice. It's easy to clean. It's easy to keep clean. And, it's nice when you leave the room, you can put the second bed up so you have somewhere to hang out when you get back to the room at night before you decide to go to bed. Um, 
these rooms are very nice and they're still small areas but they still can fit two queen beds which is very nice for an all-star resort now i will say that some of my disabled clients do not like this new design at all um they found that you know disney did a beautiful job of making very very efficient use of space in the bathrooms but it's so tight that if you've got mobility issues and you're trying to maneuver around in a a wheelchair or a scooter um they're just not very accommodating and it's unfortunate um, no. because, you know, they're, they're so much better on so many fronts and, and that's been a, a weakness. And those of you who have uh, had to deal with um, uh, disabled issues, particularly as, as concerns mobility, uh, you know, there's got to be a certain amount of uh, depth and width to a room to, a, to maneuver a wheelchair around. Uh, and then when you're trying to climb in and out of a bathtub, that's a whole different story. So, um, yeah, making, like you said, uh, such efficient use of that space really doesn't work for anybody that's mobility impaired. Yeah, and it's not even the bathtub. It was the the getting ready space in front of the mirror that, that people were struggling with because it's tight. And, you know, if it's you or me and we can pivot around easily and, you know, reach up and down easily, it's not a big deal. Not a big deal. But it is but, if you're in a chair. Exactly. Um, and that, that's something that they really, really have to think more about. Because uh, when you think about it, I mean, as the population ages, more and more people will be considered disabled in one form or another. That's just the, the hard truth. That's the one downfall to using the shell system, as they've done with all the hotel rooms. They've built these hotels with exact shells all the way across, even when they started with the contemporary back in 1971, like it's a shell and it's just, you know, you slide everything in and they don't plan for multiple uses in the room. Well, that was the whole, that was whole intention of the contemporary to be really modular, really, you know, here we can build this thing offsite and just slide it into its spot in the hotel and we're done. But you're right, it doesn't really uh, permit a mixed-use scenario like that. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. And, and I'm going to be interested to see when they open these, uh, whether they've tinkered with the bed height at all. Um, because I also had the same guest who was very frustrated. The beds at, at you know, the new beds at Pop were very comfortable, but they were too high. Um, you know, they, they built them as platform beds so that you could shove luggage underneath on purpose. And for somebody in a, in a chair, um, they were about, you know, four to six inches higher than it was comfortable doing that transfer. It's exactly what Tim said. Yeah. They, they modeled it after what they did with the cruise within the cruise ships. They intentionally created that space by making the beds a little bit higher so that you could slide luggage underneath the bed. Well, for a person that is mobility impaired, that um, has to transfer out of a chair or what have you into the bed, that can be really difficult. It's it's really surprising how much difference four to six inches can make. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I've got to think that they've got something in the works because I know they know about this. I know they've heard about it from guests. Um, there's got to be a reasonable solution to it, um, but we'll, we'll just have to see. It, it, the important part is that this is a whole segment that, frankly, just hasn't been available. I mean, even at, at limited capacity right now, it's been very hard to find value category rooms for guests. And so, um, 
you know, having these opening up will, will make a big impact. And, and it's going to be huge. You know, yeah. they're opening movies because the renovations are done at movies. Um, it sounds like they're going to hold to open the other all-stars and kind of phase in openings as they finish the renovations in those resorts as well. And, you know, they're not really in a rush at this point to do those renovations because they can't, you know, accommodate those guests in the parks anyway. Well, right. There's me, no the, room. Do you see refurbs of sports and music coming in the future? Yes. To, to match 100%. Yeah. They've already 100%. started on music. That's what I thought. Yeah. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, they hadn't yeah. gotten very far, but they'd already started on music. Um, they started on music back in, gosh, February. Yeah. February, 2020. So they, they were starting, right. you know, a month or so before shutdown. Right when COVID hit. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, presumably music will get renovated next and then sports is the last. And sports is always the hardest one because it's the hardest one to take offline because they use it for youth groups very heavily. Yeah. Um, and so it's a really hard resort to have totally out of inventory. It's a dumping ground. <laughs> now, oh, <yeah>. now. <laughs> but that's, but that's where, I mean, realistically, that's where you can put people and you don't have to feel bad. Like, I mean, the football teams, the right, cheerleaders. Right. It's exactly it's it's perfect for them because that's what the kids want and that's what the parents are like. I don't want to pay a lot and I don't care what they sleep in. And they've got the big open outdoor spaces that the cheerleaders can practice in and the football players can, you know, run plays. Yeah. But imagine but imagine if you upgraded those rooms even just a little bit. They're going to. Yeah, they're they're all gonna be on that same pop century platform. Right. Um, but I mean, uh, create some suites like you have in AOA, um, you know, whether well, it's a, it'll be interesting to see whether they do that with, with music because, you know, music was the one where they, they originally rolled out the experimental family suites, um, which were basically just two rooms and they knocked a wall down. Um, it'll be right. interesting whether those rooms, when they finish the renovation are more like the art of animation family suites, or if, they keep the, you know, different sort of experimental footprint that uh, they'd used before it at uh, music. Yeah, I could I could totally see a, a Philharmagic type of room, you know, especially if Philharmagic winds up going away at some point, uh, having that transition over to the to the music All Star Music Resort. That would be pretty cool. Sure. I don't know. I'm just blue sky in here. Why um, not? So now. I think it's great that they're getting uh, uh, Art of Animation open. It sounds like that's going well, that, you know, uh, guests are rolling in. Um, There has been some fallout from that, however, that's been a bit of a challenge. And we kind of predicted this. We talked about it a little bit in the past. But there seems to be sort of a confluence of factors that are creating a major Skyliner bottleneck. Um, in that, that, you know, sort of generation gap, uh, uh, station area, right. Where, where all your guests from pop century and all your guests from, uh, uh, all your all-stars are, well, no, all art of animation, all-stars doesn't have to stop. So it's, it's, um, well, but they can go over to AOA, can't they? Is that's all. No, they're not open yet. No, they're not. First of all, they're not open. Okay. I'm saying when they are, they're not even close when they are open. It's all in close enough proximity that they could flood it from there, couldn't they? Nah, no. they're all the way over no. by Animal Kingdom. 
They're too far oh, away. Yeah, okay. All right. So Bye-bye. it's just pop. It's just pop and animation. But you know, it, it's it's a large number of people, and and the issue really is, I think, not necessarily the number of people. It's these other factors, because you know this was true before, and Willie and I both when we wrote it during a time that was. I mean, crowds were a little busier than were expected during the time that we were there back in December. And, um, you know, we didn't experience bad waits at all. Um, but the lines have gotten a lot longer. And, and I think there are a number of different issues that have contributed to that. Um, obviously, it, a big one is the popularity of Disney's Hollywood Studios right now, and in particular, Rise of the Resistance. And um, I don't know, Willie, you, you kind of have been bird-dogging the situation at, at Rise because uh, your brother's been down there. Well, it, the the whole trick to Hollywood Studios right now is the 7 a.m. wait for the, you know, get your boarding time. And people are literally waiting hours right now to get into the park. It's changed a little because now they've done the outside of the park, able to get the Rise of Resistance boarding time. But still, people want to be in the park so early. And I know it's because they want to ride Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. They want to do everything else before they do their Rise of the Resistance ride. And people love to just be in the park early. And I do too. Like, that's a really cool park. It's just, there's not a lot to going on right now in that well, park it, besides really, the four rides. You're absolutely right. I mean, Disney has taken Hollywood Studios from what we always, you know, affectionately knew as a half day park to being the park to get to because now you've not only got the stuff that you had before, Rise of the Resistance is obviously humongous, but all of Galaxy's Edge is just so cool. There's so much attention to detail at every turn. Everything you look at, whether it's the the land speeder repair shop or the droid repair shop or, you know, going and building your own lightsaber or your own uh, astromech droid or uh, riding Smuggler's Run or that there is so much to do and it is so meticulous. Well, and don't forget blue milk is, uh, with rum. And don't yep. forget. You know, Toy Story Land's only it's about two amazing. years old. So you've got all these folks. I mean, Disney says that their average guest comes, you know, once every five years, if it's more than once in a lifetime. So all those once in every five years guests who are coming back, Hollywood Studios is a whole new park for them. And Yeah, they haven't seen Pixar Park at all. Right. So, so all of Toy Story Land is new. And there are lots of good reasons. A lot of things pulling them to that. Operationally, though, I think that there are some things that are are contributing to this bottleneck, and and I think Willie's right. I mean, moving the trying to to t- tweak the way they're assigning boarding passes for Rise may help a little bit, um, but I, I think personally that the first problem is that the way that the park openings are are staggered right now, I think only makes it worse because if you're not aware what they've done you know, during this time where park hours are somewhat limited is that essentially from, from, you know, what is it? 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. roughly, you get one park opening an hour from, I'm sorry, from eight until uh, 11. 11. Right. Because Epcot doesn't open until 11. Right. But as I learned today, Jay was in Epcot today and they were at 10, 15, he was already on Soren. Because they were moving people through the park so fast. Interesting. 
So we're and now to be fair, we're kind of at the front edge of the of the Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving rush, and but, so but at the same point, you you advertise eleven, but then you're letting people in at ten. You know, some people don't know that, and that's that's hard. Okay, well, let me ask you this: There used to be a difference between Future World and World Showcase. You know, Future World opened at nine, World Showcase would open at eleven. Is that not true no, anymore? They're they're Is, opening they, everything like, at once now. To 11? They're opening everything at once, partially because a a lot of the stuff that would be held to open later is an opening right now. So essentially, Epcot opens at 11, Animal Kingdom opens at 8, Hollywood Studios opens at 10, Magic Kingdom opens at 9. That's effective for today. Okay, so and 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 that and that pattern has been the pattern for a couple of months now, at least. Right. And yeah. I, I think that having Hollywood Studios opening at 10 a.m. is a, a tricky nut to crack, right? Because here's the problem. It's too convenient, right? Correct. There's a reason Extra Magic Hour mornings were awesome. Extra Magic Hour mornings were awesome because 80% of guests could not drag themselves out of bed. And so if you and me... You know, Willie and I dragged ourselves out of bed. Tim would still be sleeping. I would still be asleep, yes. But with a 10 a.m. open, it's too easy. It's anybody could get themselves to the park at 10 a.m. It's also the locals. The locals can get up at 8 and be over there by 9, 19. And there's your problem. Right. There's your problem. Exactly. Right. And so they're gathering at the gates. You've got people trying to get onto the Skyliner. Now, not only... Do you have, you know, a crowd that that is getting a convenient time to go over to the park, but you have, you know, we understand. I mean, capacity is controlled, so it shouldn't make that big a difference. But part of what's happening is that you have to, you you know, the the capacity of the Skyliner itself is being reduced significantly because only one party of people traveling together is being put on a car. And while that might go fast and it might not, it certainly creates the illusion that the line's much, much longer than it might necessarily actually be in any other time. Well, I mean, they've said that the capacity of those cars is supposed to be roughly eight guests. And if you think your average family is four, Right, you've just cut your capacity for yep, the Skyliner in half at its peak time, so that's a pretty big loss. And I think you alluded to the other piece. You're right; the lines look longer, not just because they're taking half as many people, but think about the fact that the line isn't the line that it was back in December, right? Correct. It's six feet. Every every person six feet apart. Mm-hmm. So. Instead of where we used to stand on top of each other and like basically bump into each other and say, oh, sorry, excuse me, excuse me, sorry, sorry. Didn't mean to grab you. Now it's – right, exactly. <laughs> but it, now, you know, you have a dot on the on the ground and you, you wait between the dots and you just move up one dot at a time. And Assuming people no obey chance. that rule. But, well, but they're but enforcing it. I mean, Disney's Disney, doing pretty good about Disney's that. Disney's enforcing it so well. That's good like, to know. Yeah. Yes. Very good to know. Um, but you know, so so 
I think it's a combination of things. I mean, on the one hand, I think it is legitimately longer just because of the circumstances of the the timing and the the fact that they're getting basically half capacity out of Skyliner. I think some of it is perception too, though, because it feels longer. It seems longer when you get at the end of that line that stretches, you know, all the way across the bridge, you know, across Generation Gap Lake. I mean, it, it just it, it it feels long, even if by moving up six feet every time a car goes, you know, you move through the line fairly quickly. Um, it, it's still going to feel longer. And we talked recently about the fact that that perceptions in this case are really more important than realities, you know? Exactly. And that's what's cre- being created as a perception. Well, I mean, I got, I got a call from a client today who said, we're at Country Bear Jamboree in line for the Haunted Mansion. Yep. Yeah. Well, it was 21 minutes. I was going to say, it's probably not that bad of a wait. But it's, but in perception is if you were never there before what's going on now with COVID, you would think that's a 10 hour wait. Well, and it's worse if you have been there before and, you know, you already have in your memory in bank. In your mind. Yes, you know what that's like. Yeah, I mean, you know mm-hmm. that if you're outside the gates at Haunted Mansion, you're waiting for more than 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Correct. And to be all the way back to Country Bear? Country oh, Bear. Oh my god. Oh my god. Like, Why am I here? Well, this is forever. What what what's this? We're going to go do something else. Right. <laughs> Uh, now, uh, Disney has, you know, Hollywood Studios has the biggest crunch. I think we've talked a little bit about why it's a very popular park. It's got a lot of the newest attractions in it right now. And they have done some new things to help increase some of the, the capacity at really the two currently probably most popular attractions in the park. Um, because they've, they've expanded their ability um, to accommodate more guests per ride vehicle in a COVID safe way, uh, on both Mickey and Minnie's runaway railway and, uh, also at rise of the resistance, perhaps with not as much impact as they would have liked to have seen, but, uh, you know, will, will he talk about what they've done there? So essentially, um, rise of the resistance, they put the plexiglass in, between the um, upper and lower area of the seating, there's a four four person chair below and a four person chair behind, and the plexiglass has now made it where families of four can ride in the front, and a family of four can ride in the back. Obviously, you cannot mix families right now, so that's a downfall if there's a group of one or two or. Th- you know, or less, but Mickey and Minnie's runaway railway. I've never ridden it. So I don't know anything, but I've seen where they put plexiglass, where each row is now finally being used as a complete fill in for the families. So I'm going to, I'm going to be looking for when your brother gets back to hear, you know, his take on everything. I hope he's writing all these things. So we get a good, accurate description from him. Of course he is. And he is, Going to, I, I'm going to try to get him on this week. So Good. we'll see. Yeah, um, be awesome. Because I mean, you know, the, the key here is that that in both cases, right? They've identified, you know, a, a bottleneck capacity wise, just because they had to keep groups separate, and it, you know, in some ways, 
it's like they couldn't do this on the Skyliner, right? They couldn't figure out a way to divide the car in half, um, at least not very efficiently. But what they've done with with Rise and with Mickey Minis, uh, and and I guess they've started doing it in some other attractions as well, um, is is sufficiently dividing up the ride vehicle so that you don't have to skip entire rows. Um, and, you know, that it's made a huge, it's made some impact on Rise of the Resistance. It's made a huge impact at Mickey and Minnie's. Right. The ride at Mickey and Minnie's has changed from 90 to 120 to under an hour now. So that tells you that the parks are still not overcrowded. As Disney has already said, you know, they're staying at 35% capacity to everyone can ride Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway once an hour if you really want to, right. which is really cool. Right. And see, Tim, you you would probably be willing to wait the current wait time to ride Mickey and Minnie's, but you probably wouldn't have been willing to wait 120 minutes. I would not do 120 minutes, but the current wait time, sure, I would do it. Just because I've, I've seen the uh, online ride-through videos, and I think it looks cool. I want to see it. I want to experience it for myself. And that's not, you know, an, less than an hour is not unreasonable as far as that goes. It's a new ride. Everybody wants to ride it. Exactly. Same as Rise of the Resistance. Everybody wants to ride it. So, you know, if I could say, you know, an hour or less and I'm on the ride, sure, I would do that. Any major headliner is worth an hour. You I think. Yeah, if it's worth being a headliner, it four is. Hours. I've waited more than an hour for Rock and Roller Coaster when it wasn't the main headliner. I'm just saying. Right. But you're not going to wait three hours. And the other problem with Mickey and Minnie's Dude. was everyone was waiting outside in the sun. It was 100 degrees. <sighs> and there was nowhere to social distance because you were just standing out by the, you know, the old hat underneath. Is there no queue that's inside the the um, the theater like it well, used to be? They were avoiding using it because they couldn't distance in it. Because yeah, it's Correct. inside. It was that in closed space. Now, uh, supposedly they've gotten a little better about that since. Correct, but it's still it's not a good queue area because I mean I remember when it was um, the great movie ride. It was just zigzag, 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 yeah. and you literally looked at your friends the whole time. Yep. I mean, it's, or they it's a major, different. well, it's a major investment in plexiglass to be able to, to divvy that up so that you could be inside. Yeah. And I think the investment in plexiglass for the ride was better than the queue area. The yeah. queue. Because yes. I would agree with you there. Makes sense. Um, all right. Well, I think that covers, uh, you know, Hollywood studios for the most part. We're, we're also some restaurants are starting to open up there as well. Um, we're seeing that all across property with more quick service opportunities opening. Um, you know, one of the pieces of that, uh, that same shareholders call was Disney saying that, you know, look, we're still at about 25% capacity. We're working our way up to, we should be at about 35% capacity for the holidays. So, you know, it's going to be a bump up, but still controlled access. Um, Hollywood Studios is is really up and running. Magic Kingdom, similarly, just about everything up and running. Um, Animal Kingdom, for that matter, pretty much all up and running. I mean, they've taken uh, uh, Cali River Rapids down, and and it's missing, uh, you know, some some indoor shows. Um, but Epcot, well, Epcot's in kind of a rough place right now, but we've at least got some hopeful news to look forward to. 
there's light at the end of the tunnel. There is. We're getting at least there. we can see the light. That's yeah. what I look at. Even I if it's an oncoming train or at least, uh, <laughs> you know, a, a Sith Lord with a Jedi, uh, with yeah. a lightsaber. I don't know. Well, I, um, think, it's a, I think it's a crack <laughs> in the construction walls uh, yeah, that we're yeah. starting to see. Um, but so, hey, there's some good things coming. There is. And, and the reality is that most of it we're not going to see until beginning of next year. Um, but I think in, in the very beginning of 2021, um, Epcot is going to become a, a much more enjoyable place to be. Um, the first thing is, I think that my personal opinion is that this has a bigger impact on Epcot than anywhere else. And that is we finally got news this week that Park Hopper will be back. Yay! Yay, finally. With- with restrictions. Tell us about those restrictions, Aaron. All right. So there are some limitations still. The park reservation system is not going away. You're still going to have to plan ahead. Park hopping is going to be available. You have to have that option purchased on your ticket. Um, so, you know, for all you folks who who went and and got rid of park hopper for your 2021 trip because it wasn't available yet and you didn't want to gamble it, well, if you want to hop, Better go back and get that added back to your ticket again because you have to have the option. Hop on. Um, and again, for those who who you know haven't been through Hoppy this before, Park Hopper is an all or nothing option, right? It's not a day by day choice. You either purchase that option for the length of your ticket, or you forego it for the length of your ticket. Um, it's all or nothing. Yep. So if you've got a Park Hopper ticket, you can go to a second park. In the afternoon. Um, now, Willie, there's some time frame limits on that, right? Yes, you cannot hop until 2 p.m. on the day that you choose to hop. You also have to make a park reservation for the park you choose to go to. And one caveat is you cannot hop to Hollywood Studios and get a Rise of the Resistance reservation so if you do not have a rise of the resistance reservation that morning you cannot get one in the afternoon so not gonna happen you can you can visit hollywood studios but you're not gonna ride so it's not gonna happen sorry uh but i mean what it does mean is that you've got a lot more flexibility to do things like look if rise of the resistance is the most important thing to your family you at least have the option you could you could plan on starting your day in Hollywood studios on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, just to keep trying to get that, you know, rise of the resistance boarding pass, just in case and plan to be in a different park in the afternoon. The downside is that it can't be, you know, we used to do this. Uh, we did it at least once just with the, the Jedi training Academy. Cause my kids loved doing that so much where we showed up at Hollywood studios specifically to do the rained out, uh, training academy show that they'd missed the day before and that's all we were there for so we left the park at 10 a.m you won't be able to quite do that no not quite so you know the thing is you have to make a park reservation for the day and you have to go to that park before you can hop and you can't hop until two so if you choose three days in a row to go to hollywood studios trying to get that ever elusive rise of the resistance ticket and you happen to get it on the first day You've still got those reservations for the other two days. Guess what? Um, I guess you can keep trying to do Rise of the Resistance for three days, but you're still <laughs> not going to be able to hop until two in the afternoon, and that's how that's going to work. 
Right. Now, during the less popular times of the year, there may, you know, there may be opportunities to, to you know, juggle your, your park reservations, but we can't guarantee that. And, and during anything but the slowest times, the reservation slots have been filling up. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on being able to make a last minute change. I agree. I wouldn't, I wouldn't plan on anything except what you have planned that day, because it's just like when we used to have the fast pass system, you planned your day with your three fast passes to start the day. And then if you wanted to hop, you started to make fast passes when you left that park, but don't bank on it. That's that's going to come back. So, yeah, we've, and we've talked about this before and we'll talk about it more is that you've got to be able to plan that day and how you want to spend that day and what makes the most sense for you and your traveling party for any given day. Right. Right. Exactly. And look, it's not like it's any mystery. Epcot has always been probably the most popular destination park for hopping to, right? It's it's the dining capital of the Disney theme parks. Um, there's really no question about that. And I got to tell you, the, the food and beverage folks at Epcot are, you know, doing all kinds of dances and handstands and flips and everything. They're, they're head over heels that park hopping is back. Uh, because this is the most, you know, the, the biggest target here is that they fully expect they're going to get, you know, a, a chunk of people who are going to be done with magic kingdom by five or six o'clock and are going to be ready to hop over for dinner to a different park to Epcot. Um, which has sort of a plethora of quality dining options, and more and more of those are already starting to open finally, right? Mm-hmm. Or done yep. with Animal Kingdom by three or four in the afternoon because it's hot, and I really am tired, it's and I really muggy. want to get out of yeah, I want to get out of this hot, muggy environment and go somewhere else. And oh, I want to go see that new fireworks show over at Epcot, so I'll just hop over there, right? Okay, but it's not there yet, so let's hold on to that. It's still going to be a little while. Yes, I'm teasing you here. You are. So, Park Hopper comes back in January. We also hear that we might get a big attraction opening. And we talked about this one on our speculation show. I'd have to go back mm-hmm. and check and see who was predicting what. But <laughs> um, it, it does appear, I mean, we're we're at, you know, Thanksgiving is this week, and there's been no announcement. So, I got to say that there's... At this point, it looks like no chance that uh, the Ratatouille attraction in France is is going to open for this holiday season. Um, you know, they've they've apparently decided, frankly, that I, I think that what it is is they've decided that you know Epcot just doesn't have the infrastructure available right now to support the surge of folks that they expect to show up when Ratatouille is available. Well, that's they don't have the restaurants either. That's what well, I'm saying. Yeah, like said. Well, yeah. while all the construction continues, I mean, the restaurants around World Showcase, yes, but um, yeah, to some extent, yes, to some, some extent, no. I'm sorry, go ahead, Willie. I'll cut you off there. No, 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 no. The front, the front of the park is bare right now. Like you literally walk through construction zone all the way until you get to basically the fountains of the, you know, fountains of the nation, and then you get to the World Showcase to be able to enjoy. Right. And frankly, what we've gotten over the last couple of weeks is confirmation of something that we speculated about in our uh, predictions show a a while back, which is that that Ratatouille ride is done. 
It's ready to go. They even, we know that they even put up the signs, uh, and then covered them. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's ready to launch, but they're just waiting to launch it until it's going to be functional, right? So that it's going to, and, and when we say functional, it's not that the ride's going to work. It's that it's going to fulfill something that Disney needs it to do. They need the pizzazz, like the big hurrah. And I don't think at Thanksgiving or Christmas, that's what they're looking for. Or and I hate to January. say January. I think January, February is going to be a a big, you know, that's going to bring in the locals to, ooh, the new ride. We need to go back over. Right. Well, you got the big big arts festival that starts in January and goes through, what, February, March kind of time frame. Right, before Flower and Garden. Before Flower and Garden. And you'll you'll have your draw for that in the food booths and whatnot. And, oh, uh, I really love going to um, uh, the beer garden or, you know. Uh, Oktoberfest or, you know, I want to go over to Marrakech or whatever, but are they really going to make a big deal and open Ratatouille by then? 100%. I think so. Yeah, I do too. And and, and I, I think, I think it's exactly as you were saying, it's a magnet and they need it. They need something to, to draw people back into Epcot. They don't need it for the, for the holidays because people go to Epcot anyway, but the doldrums days of, of January, February. And, and if you think about it for Disney, especially, I, I think that their, their January to March quarter is going to be a really tough quarter because it's going to be, we're going to be so close to the vaccine that it's going to be a lot easier for people to say, but we're not there. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll go in April. That's exactly I'll go in it. May. They'll be able to say, you know, exactly. The high, the, you know, the high risk people are getting their their vaccine now. We're on the list. Let's just wait. And so I think well, the other thing is, you look at these states now. These states are ramping up because there are so many cases now, for the most part. Oh, and people are going to be like, I don't want to travel in January or February because it's scary. Because you know. Oh my God, November's bad. December's going to be worse because we have Thanksgiving and then we have Christmas and people don't want to not be away from their family. And next thing you know, it's January and two weeks later, it's February and boom, here we are. Well, not only do you have COVID to worry about, you've got flu season to worry about too. And that's a, that's a perennial concern. So um, yeah, what are they going to do January, February to, to try to bolster attendance? Well, and I think that's, that's it. You open right to it, you know, and be- because what it does, among other things, is it gives locals who don't have to travel, who don't have to get on a plane, who don't have to deal with, you know, a hotel. Um, it-, it at least gets them into the park, spending some money, um, and you know, locals will come to see the thing that's new if it's worth seeing. And by all accounts, if you build it, they will come, right? As long as it does, you know, as long as it's not bad. Well, it's going to be great. I mean, I, yeah, it should ride. be. As long as it doesn't disappoint. And there, I have a little question in my mind about Ratatouille, but that's just me. You know, it, I'll be interested to see because, you know, the, the initial reports were it was going to be essentially a carbon copy of Paris. Turns out maybe it's not exactly. It's similar, but not identical. I, I'm going to be interested to see because the, the Paris attraction gets rave reviews. Um, so I, I'll be really excited to see what happens. I'm just excited to see 
World Showcase, and especially that side of World Showcase, getting, you know, a real destination attraction. Yeah, and I'm sorry. I don't mean to be Debbie Downer or anything like that. I'm just like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just approaching it with the skeptics. Oh, sure. But if you really think about it, like, what is over in that whole area? Nothing. Like, you literally leave Canada. You walk to England, you know, United Kingdom. You go over the bridge. Mm, I get a, I get a, a harp at, at Animal Kingdom. Uh, right, right. You get a United beer. Kingdom. Yeah, I get a nice beer. Yeah, yeah. but but walk overall, over France, get a nice, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but overall, you have nothing until you get to where. Right. Yeah, you get pastries There's until so- you get to Germany, and then right. even that is and just you, get a you know, beer. beer. And pretzels. Right. And yeah. You have to go all the way to Norway to get a ride. Yeah. To get onto a ride. But yep. that's not what World Showcase is about necessarily until now. But it's exactly but it's the perk. It's, it's the perk. And it's getting to be more that. And we're seeing it. Um now you have a perk to so, bring the kids over there. There you go. And now the mom and dad get the beer and the and perk. Oh, we get to ride a ride the, and champagne or whatever. The what's the exactly. the Grey Goose drink right. and in France, yeah, and, and, and mom stops into the perfume shop, and she mm-hmm. just can't walk away without that one because yeah. it's so cool. And, and yep. seventy dollars later, you know, just you switch, you know, turn the magic band, and mm-hmm. they've made four hundred bucks, and they didn't even have to do anything. Right. <laughs> but let me ask you this: Is that opened the door to more ride type attractions in the World Showcase? One hundred percent. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we're already seeing it. Um, I mean, that's Ratatouille is, is a big piece of it. We talked about some of this when we talked about reimagining Epcot and, and with all the stuff coming, um, you know, I, I think a piece of all of that is trying to balance Epcot better so that it's not dining at one end and attractions at the other end. Um, they're doing uh-huh. it both ends, right? Opening space 220 on the, on the future world side, opening more rides on the world showcase side helps to to balance overall uh the the experience and i, I you know the exciting thing is that ratatouille is a, a exciting attraction i don't know that it's a true e-ticket attraction you know in those words it's it's mm. more of a sort of dark ride plus um but we, we've got a real signature attraction that is looking um like it'll probably open in epcot at some point in 2021, we don't know exactly when. We had a lot of speculation that extended well into 2022 about this when we did our oh, predictions no, show. But but well, we got some really good news that we didn't yeah. expect. So right, um, we're talking here uh, about Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, and if you recall oh, yes. our discussion, the problem was that you know. Just like with with um, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, there are segments of this attraction that require the cast of the film to record their parts. <laughs> you know, there are there are movie elements basically. And when the ride was first announced, uh, the way the schedule was supposed to work, it was perfect. They would have been shooting, uh, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy three and the cast could have just hung around and done their ride recordings just like they did for Mission Breakout, recording those while they were working on two, and then COVID hit. And all of the movie schedules went to heck in a handbasket. And 
Guardians especially got pushed way back because there's now this conflict on James Gunn's schedule because he's got an obligation to another studio that he's got to deliver a film there first. All the cast have obligations elsewhere. And uh, Willie, you say that uh, it just so happens that, you know, small world after all, right? Yeah, they're they're going to be filming down in Sydney, Australia, which I don't know what made them do down there, but they're filming another film and they're going to be able to don't quote me, but they're going to be able to film the Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind show scenes for the ride to get that open by. I would say October, November at the latest 2021, which is going to be amazing. We've seen the teasers with the cars. They showed us that last week and this ride looks absolutely stunning and amazing. The cars don't have um, over the shoulder um, harnesses. It's just a lap belt, which makes it even cooler. (laughs) If you ask me. Um, Yeah. So, uh it just really it appears total serendipity that that the folks that they need are all in the same place in a studio where Disney has access to the the recording equipment and all of that to be able to to you know record the vocals that they need and you know frankly these characters you know they've done plenty of motion capture for these folks already my guess is that they could animate them doing just about anything um and Really, in some ways, this is a triumph of technology, um, right? You know, they've got they've got so much video of the actors doing different things that you can CGI love that all day long. Sorry, edit that if you need to. You can CGI that all day long and uh, uh, make something that really looks and is convincing, looks right. real and is convincing. Well, the other thing you're on a, you're on a roller coaster. How much can you really pay attention if you're going upside down and you're doing this and you're doing that? There's only so much you can totally pay attention to the screen. Yeah, but well, you know, if it's in right, yes, but if it's in queue, that's a whole different thing, right? Yeah, it's it's the it's the surrounding the attraction pieces, and frankly, I, I think that you know the days of of cutting corners on those kinds of things, hopefully at least, uh, are past. I mean, you know, the, the, hopefully we're back to the days of, of, you know, going ahead and, and painting the walls inside the room of the door that doesn't open in Haunted Mansion, right? Because somebody just might catch a glimpse when the door rattles, um, which is the way they used to do things. Um, but, but, so what, what people expect realism these days, and that's what they, what Disney has to deliver is realism. Well, and, well, especially now at the ticket price, you know, I mean, you're at 146 a day. Yeah. You, you can't cut the corner where all of a sudden you look up and you're like, that guy's not even talking to me. Yeah. Right. Like, you can't, you can't have things out of sync and you can't have, you know, they're just not going to put up with I that. I get that. But yeah. that's not Disney standard anymore anyway. Right. Well, and that's the beauty of the fact that they're going to have the actors available to do the voices and you know, they'll, they'll basically be able to animate the characters, even though it appears uh, to you watching it as if it's real life. I mean, this is what we've been working towards. I don't know if you guys have watched the, um, 
the the behind the scenes series that Disney did from the, the Mandalorian. Have you watched the gallery show? Willie, you I've have got it. to I've watch Disney Gallery. It, I love behind the scenes shows. Okay, so. Disney Gallery, it's the coolest thing you've ever seen. They developed this technology to use when they shot Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. That and I'm sure they're using some of the elements of this if they're doing the the uh, this kind of a shoot for the Cosmic Re- Rewind stuff. Um, they, they built this thing they call the volume. And the volume is like a huge wall size, very, very high definition video screen. Cool. And so all of those Mandalorian scenes in space, right? Those aren't CGI. They're just pictures. They shot the them that way. Yeah, they shot them. Yeah, they I, shot them I, I, on on it, it, its practical effects. They shot I can them see that. in in you know real props with the scenery behind them just being projected from the back through what they call the, through the volume. It, it's stunning. It, it makes so they're sense so far ahead of the game. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it's yeah, really amazing. I, I mean, you have to watch like gallery. Said, it's it's next level thinking. It really is. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, so, so what what that tells us though is, I mean, you know, Willie, you're saying fall. I, I still think they might actually even get it open for for summer. Um, I I think they could if they wanted to, but I think they want to let Ratatouille ride out the um, wave as long as they can, and they want to use the like Tim said, the festival of the arts, then they want to do flower and garden. And then they need to ride the summer a little bit if they can, especially if the vaccine does come out, but that's just it. Go ahead, Tim. You're trying to say something. Yeah. I'm trying to say something here. Assuming the vaccine comes out as I expect it will, you're looking at the anniversary of Mickey and Minnie at the beginning of October. So why would you not have all the stops pulled out in time for that? That's my point. See, and and that's just it. I I think that assuming we've got general accessibility of a vaccine by, you know, let's say Memorial Day. Right. That's what I'm thinking. Yep. Even end of June. I think they open it only because if that vaccine is in general availability, there's a backlog of folks who have been waiting to go to theme parks. And if there's, the general availability allows them to to crank back up capacity and fulfill that pent up demand, I mean, they're going to open it because they're going to need the capacity. They're going to need a place to put those extra bodies. Well, and there's what three, three major uh, vaccine developments available. That's going to be available in the next coming weeks because of the emergency order just um, what is it? Um, Moderna, AstraZeneca, who am, uh, Pfizer, yep. at Pfizer. least at least. And that's not just that. That's not counting any more that might come out of the woodwork in the next couple of weeks. I mean, those three are the ones that have uh, uh, jumped at it to make the uh, make the most of the opportunity to get it out there right. in advance. So, given the fact that um, these vaccines can be mass produced and getting you know getting them out there by spring, I think you've got a good chance at uh, these things becoming available by summertime, late summertime anyway. But the question is, are people going to take the vaccine? That's oh, another thing. That's and what I, I don't want to. I'll be in line. I don't. 
I don't want to get uh, politics I mean, I, or anything, but these guys are reputable names. AstraZeneca is reputable. Pfizer is Pfizer reputable. is reputable. I don't trust. Moderna is reputable. Yeah, I, disagree I don't with entirely that. trust Moderna. They've never brought anything. They're to, brand new. Okay, I'm, we'll see. And and they're for two profit. Out of th- okay, so call it two out of three. Right. If you just call right. it AstraZeneca and Pfizer, I'm I'm good with that. That gives us some. I that agree. Gives us they're both major players in the ball game. Right. I don't. I, if if either of those offers me a a a a, a a a a shot, yeah, I'll take it. Let's go. Right. right. Well, and it's, look to me. Here's the biggest thing, and and you know we can move on to the the last piece that we want to talk about Epcot, but AstraZeneca and Pfizer and and Sanofi, who's been working with them on production, those folks are major names in this industry. They've been around for a long time. They've got an awful lot to lose if they screw up. Correct. You got they it. don't. They can't. They can't lose their name anymore. Yep. Like you can't make the. Oops, we didn't know. Excuse. Yeah. Like this exactly. is so, this is the home run of home runs. You can't you can't hit a single when you need a home run. Yeah. There um, are so many downstream effects that we're just not going to know right away, not exactly. for years. But in the immediate, let's make sure we don't get this deadly disease. Yeah, I'll I'll be in line. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So the, and that's not all. I mean, I, we're still in, in 2021, you know, going to get at some point harmonious opening. Um, and you know, all the rumors that we've heard over the last couple of weeks is that Disney is pushing hard. They want this thing open bad. They even, I get the impression, think that they can open it before they have a vaccine and distribution just because of the space they have to work with in Epcot. And, you know, the, the ability to, to work, uh, you know, to, to have people watching it from, you know, while social distance, socially distanced or physically well, distanced. With the, yeah, with the reduced um, capacity of the park and this size, I mean, the sheer size of the lake. I mean, there's so much space around that lake. You can socially distance and see that show. And I can't wait to see it myself. I really can't. But yeah, that could happen. I could see it happening. Well, the, the question is whether they can actually get the thing installed in time. Well, that's the thing. They, that's I mean, from what I've heard, they've also said they don't want this to be Rivers of Light Part 2. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And we've already seen that we don't ever want to see that again. <laughs> <laughs> part 1 was not very good. And honestly... So Epcot holds, let's say, 100,000 people. I know it probably holds a little more, but at 35,000 people, how many can you put around the lake? Do you really think it's a 1.2-mile circle? That's a lot of that's a lot of space. But six feet apart. I, mean, I haven't done the math, but I think I don't, it, I, I really don't six know. feet apart, I think it could happen. I mean, because not only do you spread them out side by side, but you spread them out deep as well. Uh, I th- and I, you could watch. I think from, it's I think it's doable. Sorry, go ahead. And you can watch from further places away too. Like like you said, in the restaurants, you're going to watch a little bit. You know, it's not a lot of people, but I think at closing time there could be 20,000 people watching that show. Here here to me though, here's the key. I, I mean we've talked about this and and we've predicted and we've done all this. I I think that we've laid out the rough order we're going to see these things show up in. We're going to see Ratatouille first cuz it's already ready to go. 
I think we'll see Cosmic Rewind next because they frankly need it. They need it to absorb. Um, I think that as much as the restaurant folks want Harmonious because they think that it'll draw people for the evening, frankly, I think they're going to get people coming for the evening anyway. And to some extent, they're going to get people coming for the evening anyway from park hopping and because the the park hours, you know, all it takes is adjusting park hours an hour here or there, and they'll get the crowd anyway because there's no place else to go at this point anyway. Um, and I, I think when push comes to shove, I, I really feel like, you know, look, Imagineering is already working on a much, much smaller headcount than they have ever worked trying to get this much new stuff online all at once. They've never done this. Um, in the past, you know, yeah, there have been purges of, of uh, Imagineering, but it's always happened after they got, they got all this stuff right. launched. Right. Doing it now, I, I just, I, I think that the cooler heads are going to prevail here and, and that they'll get, Things open in a kind of a phased way. We'll do one thing and we'll move on to the next thing. And there's a certain poetic justice to harmonious opening sort of, you know, September, October, right around the actual October one anniversary date. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they could really play that up and make that a special event. Um, I, I think there's some, some value to not rushing it, getting it right and you know, using it as that focal point of the anniversary celebration. Well, it's also going to work out great because it's Epcot. It's not the Magic Kingdom. Yeah. Right. Because they don't need people in the Magic Kingdom. People go there no matter what. Right. It's how do we get people to take 70, 80,000 people over to Epcot while we already have 60 to 70,000 people in the magic kingdom. Okay. And we want them eating and drinking, not just riding rides in the magic kingdom. And that's you, their goal. But you bring up a real good point. We've got this one ride sitting over in the magic kingdom called Tron. Hmm. And uh, that's going to put a, a wrinkle in things. Don't you think? Not in 2021. Not at all. You don't think it'll happen in 2021? I, I mean, don't think we've, it's we've gone over and under on this before. Uh, you think it's going to 2022? 100%. Tell me yeah. what you think. I just think it's going to be Why? the draw of 2022. They've opened everything in Epcot where they plan to have the 50th anniversary. That was their whole goal the whole time. And then Magic Kingdom will have the second, like, carrot dangling down let's say March, April, or even Memorial day of when they did, um, toy story land, they did it Memorial day weekend to get you to come for summer of 2022. And that draws you through summer of 2022, all the way through the end of 2022, because then what do we have coming up in 2023? Is that, what do you have? There's there's another anniversary coming. There's an anniversary almost every year after 2022. Okay, but we don't know what is in the development works for 2023. Nothing right or now. Or do we? Nothing, yeah. Nothing. Absolutely so I nothing. I mean, that's the problem, right, is that budgets are, are all crushed. And, and crushed. I think that's the key. There's nothing else. They can't put anything else in the pipeline. 
Right. So, it's anybody's guess right now because of COVID and how it's affected the bottom line. Absolutely. Right. And and I think the whole point is that that they need they, they had all of this stuff, right, that they were trying to push to open to twenty for twenty twenty one. And we've reached the point where they've said, There's no way. We can't do it. We can't afford it. And thank God that we have the new Disney approach, which which is to say, you know what? Let's just take a breath. We've got a shell. I personally, I personally like this approach. That's right. Yep. We've got a shell. The the attraction is protected. We can work on it when we when we can, but we don't have to push it. We don't have to rush it. We don't have to pay premium overtime hours, all that, and we'll dole it out over time. Instead of the, you know, DCA 1.0 answer, which is, oh, crud, we're out of money. Let's open Superstar Limousine with cardboard and pulleys. Hmm. Yeah. So if I'm not mistaken, I think 2022 is Epcot's 40th anniversary. Didn't they open in 82? Yeah, that sounds right. So it's going to be the 40th anniversary there. And then Hollywood Studios opened in 89. And um, Animal Kingdom opened in ninety eight. So we're 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 nine and eight. We're we're working on a couple more anniversaries coming up that are going to be huge celebrations. Okay, so Epcot's um, anniversary is just a few 40. years away. What what do you see happening there? Uh, I mean, we've got the new Rider to ride. We'll have the new Cosmic Rewind ride. What else could we do there? Well, wait, let's not get too far down this road. We, yeah. We've talked about a lot yeah, of sorry. this, and I'm the reality just... is, and the reality is, they've laid out the blueprint. Um, it's just a matter of timing of what happens when. I think at this point, because yeah. we know what the blueprint is, we've seen it. They showed their hand. Um, they just thought it was all going to be done <laughs> by you know well, before COVID, right. fall of twenty twenty one, and and instead we're going to see this stuff unfolding more slowly. Um, but like I said, I, I think this is a much better approach than the, you know, Eisner Disney decade approach, which was that, you know, I said open, we were going to get it open. built, so we're going to open it. And, you know, even if it means we've got to put an off the shelf roller coaster into to Animal Kingdom and, uh, you know, off the shelf uh, uh, bumper cars at, at DCA, um, you know. We, we'll get it open. Speaking of Animal Kingdom, that's the one park we've not really talked yeah, about. Yeah, you know, about. Animal Kingdom is pretty much locked and loaded. I mean, it got its big update. Um, and Willie, I, I'm glad you mentioned uh, that, you know, Toy Story Land was a summer opening. They've done a lot of summer openings lately, um, like three years in a row, They because they opened um, uh, uh, Galaxy's Edge. Pandora. Well, Galaxy's Edge was a summer opening. Right. Toy Story was a summer opening, and Pandora was a summer opening. The last yep. three major openings have all been summer openings. They've really gone all in on this idea of, you know, kicking off the summer travel season with a big opening, which is why I think that's where Tron is most likely to fall, because they need something to be the draw post-anniversary in 2022. Animal Kingdom got its big bump with Pandora. It's kind of stabilized. Mostly we're seeing little bits at Animal Kingdom. Um, so, you know, a couple of recent bits of news are worth mentioning. Um, Tim, you want to talk about the, uh, the the wildlife news? 
Oh, I would love to because I have just I've become such a fan of the show on uh, National Geographic called The Magic of the Animal Kingdom. Um, In eight episodes, they've talked about several uh, opportunities to uh, engage in animal husbandry. But the most notable one is the fact that that they've recently given birth to a white rhino, which is a very endangered species. And it's just so special that they were able to do this in Animal Kingdom. Yeah, it's pretty exciting stuff. Um, and, you know, there there have been a number, a number of baby animals that have been born, you know, while the parks have been shut down or, or in slow, you know, slow mode. Um, but this is probably the biggest of them. Um, we also had, what was it, like four zebras have been born this year at Animal Kingdom. Four zebras and a giraffe. Um, they had a giraffe. They had a, a monkey back in March. Uh, um, they had a uh, what was a Barbarossa pig? Um, yeah, and a colobus monkey. I mean, they've that's done the one I was thinking about. Really the monkey, the colobus monkey. Yeah, uh, those are the most amazing creatures. Though they're they're the black monkeys with a white, uh, yeah, white, white face. basically ring around their face. They are so adorable. They really are. Um, um, yeah, so lots so lots really of good stuff happening there, and then. You know, in in the world of of dining options reopening, Animal Kingdom's in on that too, right, Willie? Well, yeah, Dawa Bar is opening, which is even the greatest news. Mm-hmm. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> um, and in, but in addition to to Dawa Bar, the the whole Harambe Marketplace is finally well, Harambe reopening. Market, right, yeah, correct. Market Sorry. Place. Yeah. yeah. All right. So now you have a place to go get a, a a meat sandwich and then go back and get your drink. There you go. Walk across the way, and I think that's going to be enormous because once they get you that far back into the park, you're going to be spending money, right? Because you're way in there. Like that's deep. In yeah, the you're going to hang out for a while at that point. Exactly. Well, not only that, you're going to hang around, but you're going to be looking around at stuff. You're going to like, okay, yep. I've got my drink here at the dollar bar. What's this shop over here? I'm mm-hmm. going to take there a look go. at this. Oh, look at this. I need this pair of shorts. I don't I don't need this pair of shorts. I don't <laughs> need this pair <laughs> of shorts, but I'm going to buy them. Right. Yep. <laughs> right. So what the bottom line is, I, you know. Disney's Animal Kingdom is probably the most stable of the three parks right now. It's probably not going to see a whole lot of major shifts in the next couple of years, as we've said on, on past shows. But um, it's still got exciting stuff happening. I mean, you know, Flight of Passage is still a fantastic attraction. Um, it's nice to see things reopening there. Uh, and this is also the point in the show where we recognize a... Um, bittersweet moment i guess uh because this week we also had the announcement of a rather significant uh retirement from the imagineering community uh especially with regard with with regard to uh disney's animal kingdom yeah sad day yep mr joe rody has officially hung it up and will leave disney Parks and resorts effective January fourth, I believe, is his last day. January fourth. Yeah, so he's basically riding out the year. Um, but yeah. uh, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar with the name, you really should be. It's one that you ought to get familiar with. Um, in a lot of ways, 
Disney's Animal Kingdom is Joe Rody's baby. Um, okay. and, and he, he's hugely responsible for that park being the immersive atmosphere that it is. Um, frankly, he, he's the guy who more than anybody else, you know, sold Disney on truly immersive environments, not just cool attractions. And not a zoo. Right. Not he a zoo. He was like, this is not going to be no. a zoo. This, this is going to be a full-on park. Yeah, a full-on immersive experience. I I want to get up close and personal with elephants and zebras and gir- giraffes and crocodiles. And, and he made that happen. He figured out how to make that work so it would happen. And if you don't know who we're talking about, Joe Rody, um, it wouldn't take you much time of looking at, uh, oh, look, here's a picture. He's got all these earrings hanging out of his left <laughs> ear, which he has picked up from the places around the continent or around the globe that he's visited. Uh, it's a, he's a very distinctive gentleman. Uh, you would totally know him if you pay any attention at all to what's happening in the animal kingdom. This is a huge loss for us, but you know, we can't do anything but wish him well in his retirement. He's such a, I was going to say congratulations, so much. Joe. He's, yeah, he's brought so much to Disney. Well, and, and, and we're all appreciative of that. I think my favorite thing about Joe Rody is that he was such a throwback in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, when Walt wanted to design the the Enchanted Tiki Room, he took Imagineers to Hawaii. When they were working on doing something, you know, he he wanted them to see the original when they, when they were first animating movies that had, you know, animals as characters, they had a petting zoo in the, you know, parking lot of the studio because he wanted people to really experience and see it. And, and Joe Rody really had that same mindset when they were working on, uh, uh, Expedition Everest, right. He went with, with Imagineering folks to Mongolia and they mm-hmm. spent their time, you know, looking around. They went to Tibet. They went into the field and th- that queue, the stuff in the queue there are things that he and the Imagineers collected firsthand. Right. And you, you don't have really to climb the mountain it. to understand what they go through, you know, in the in the towns around you know, surrounding yep. before you you would even commence such a climb, you know, to uh really experience what that's like. And he really embodied that and brought that back to us. Yeah. And I, I just love that because I, I, I do feel like that in a lot of ways Disney Imagineering before and I, I don't want to overstate the case either, but in a lot of ways you know, Imagineering had gotten um, maybe a little bit too comfortable with technology, maybe a little bit too ready to do things virtually and with screens and um, to to rely on their artistry. And Joe made sure that people didn't forget that being in a Disney theme park from the time that Walt opened Disneyland has been about getting immersed in the environment. And just because, you know, our, our technology has gotten so much better. That's great. We can do cool things with rides, but it also allows us to make ever more immersive environments too. 
Well, his theming was so far ahead of the game because he created themes that you didn't think of, unlike other amusement parks and attractions. You know, it's you, you walk around Animal Kingdom and you're just like, this place is so cool. Like just walking around with the small walls to the higher walls to the you know, the exhibits that are right there for you to see. He was so far ahead of the game on that. And that's where he will really be missed. Yeah. And how do you create that theming without having been part of that environment? And that's the thing. He made the trips. He put in the work. He put in the hours. He knows what everything looks like, what it feels like, and what it needs to feel like. And that's what he brought to especially the Animal Kingdom Park. I mean, if I have to pick one favorite thing that Joe Rohde contributed to Disney parks, it's tempting to say the Expedition Everest queue, but I really feel like it's not that. It's the it's the graffiti in Africa. You know, it's a little yep. detail, but it is so spot on so creative. It still feels like Disney. There's there's Mickey Mouse graffiti but it still feels like it belongs in Africa. Right. There's and most people don't see it. Right. You've got to pay attention. You have to it's look one of the, for it's it. It's another one of those things you've got to pay attention and, and look, really look at what you're experiencing while you're experiencing it. And that's the beautiful thing about that part. But see, and I think, I oh, go ahead. Go. Okay. Well, I, I, I think that what he got and what he understood was, yes, you have to pay attention and look for it to find it. But I think what what Joe Rohde understood was even if you don't stop to look for it and recognize it, it still has a cumulative impact. It still sets a scene. It still absorbs you in the environment. And so even if you don't catch that the the graffiti is, you know, Mickey Mouse and, and a quote that is, you know, really funny if you slow down and read it. It, it still creates a feeling and you have Your an emotional reaction to it. Your subconscious has picked it up. Yeah, exactly. One thing I would have loved to have been around is Joe Rohde and James Cameron doing Pandora. Oh my God. <laughs> Think about like all the, like the little quirks when you walk through the ride where, you know, Joe Rohde had his hand in this James Cameron had his hand in that, like where you're just like, Holy cow. These two brilliant minds are just like they're out thinking each other at the same time. And if you don't know the mind of Joe Rody, you owe it to yourself to go look. Yeah. Right. I was like, wait, just today I was like, Joe Rody. I'm like, oh, I know who that Joe Rody is. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so go look. Look with that. There's some great content on Disney Plus that'll give you an in, some insight. Um, there's some stuff I think still available on Amazon prime that you can stream. I think Amazon prime still has the, some of those, uh, uh, you know, making of various, uh, Disney parks videos. Um, if they don't, they're migrating to Disney plus. Um, but, uh, you know, frankly, anything that Imagineering has done outside of California in the last, you know, 25 years, at least, um, has Joe's fingerprints all over it. So um, anyway, uh, enough uh, 
goodnight kiss for Joe Rody. Um, thank you, Joe, yeah. for all you, you brought Joe, to Joe. Disney Parks. We appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we're helping some listeners appreciate it, too. Um, we're, I, you know, it's amazing how a little bit of news about positive results from vaccine tests can make your outlook on life different. Um, everything seems just a little bit lighter right now. So <laughs> despite not such great numbers. Um, so hang on with us, folks. Come on. We're almost there. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Come on with us. We'll get there. Um, been a lot of fun and we'll be back again soon. Until next time, uh, I've been your host, Aaron Rittmaster, along with my co-hosts, Tim Hicks. Stay home, stay safe, and we'll see you real soon. And Willie Crocker. Have a wicked wild night and please stay home, guys. It's not worth it to go out there. I don't play I'm there. Relax and enjoy my tequila. Yeah, boy. <laughs> I don't play dancing. I'm going to relax and go to bed. It's one o'clock <laughs> at my house. <laughs> I don't play dancing. I don't play a damn thing, man. Sound level from Tim. I don't play Testing dance. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and beyond. Okay, I looks good. And uh, Willie, you're up. Infinity and beyond. Nice job, Buzz. I don't play that thing, man.